Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. It's been a controversial day already today. We had the Oilers and the Canucks controversy, but fortunately for us in first service, a couple of people decided to wear Maple Leafs jerseys, and so the Canucks and Oilers fans came together and agreed, of course, that Toronto isn't really a part of Canada, so that went really, really well. So last week we launched into this three-Sunday service plan at the new Southside Church facility. I wasn't here because I was sick. Feeling better. Thank you so much for asking. But I thought in the spirit of celebration and commemoration, what I wanted to do today is preach pretty low-key message. You know, very non-controversial. So for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about sex, okay? <laughs> now, three weeks ago, I talked to you about anger, and we said that anger gets a bad rap in the church, okay? So if anger gets a bad rap in the church, well, sex gets an even badder rap in the church. And three weeks ago, when I talked about anger, I said, look... My goal, in fact, is by the end of this sermon about anger, I want to make you angry at the end of it. And today in this sermon about about sex, I want to tell you that my goal by the end of this sermon is, okay, well, that doesn't work for today, okay? That's not exactly what we're going for. But I will tell you something that you probably already know. Sex was God's idea. God thought sex up. God didn't create Adam and Eve and place them in the garden of Eden naked and unashamed and show up later that night and scream out in horror at what they had gotten up to. Okay, sex is part of the plan. And I I bring that up because since we stepped into 2024, we've been preaching our way through Proverbs. And Proverbs is an Old Testament book of wisdom. And, And wisdom pertains to every area of human existence. We've defined wisdom this way. We said that wisdom is to discover and live in light of this pattern called reality. To discover and live in light of this pattern called reality because you can ignore reality, but you can't ignore the consequences of ignoring reality. Okay, so this next three weeks as we talk about sex, I want to give you kind of a summary of the pattern of reality as pertains, pertains to human sexuality. Okay, and maybe you've heard it before at an old school wedding ceremony. It's a paraphrase of Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 19 and in Mark chapter 10. It says this, what God has bound together should not be broken. What God has bound together should not be broken. And I wanna start off today by talking just about you. I'm going to tell you that you have been bound together by God. And if we don't talk about that as a foundation of this entire discussion, you know where we're going to end up being? We're going to end up being in these awkward, argumentative situations, these legalistic discussions where we're more concerned about being right than getting it right. So there's something I need you to know about you before we go any further. I need you to know that you are bound together by God. You go all the way back to the beginning, and God created the first man, Adam. 
Bible says that God created Adam from the dust of the earth. Think about that, like billions and billions and billions of dust particles all brought together. And then God breathed the breath of life into Adam, bound together by the breath of God, just like you. Bound together by the breath of God, just like you. Psalm 139 says this, that God knit you together in your mother's womb. Another way of saying that would be God bound you together. What God has bound together should not be broken. It's interesting because when you and I talk about Psalm 139, often our mind goes immediately to the physical. Like God bound you together physically, which is true, right? Like your heart and your lungs, your arms and your legs all bound together your eyes and your ears and your nose and your mouth all bound together. And that's an amazing thing. So at, at, at the risk of stating the ridiculously obvious, let me say this about you and me. We would never be able to pick an MVP of our physical body, right? Like no one in their right mind is gonna say, well, you know what, I gotta tell you, the real MVP of me is my heart. You know, without blood pumping through my veins, I'm not much. Yeah, but okay, we all innately know this, that if you remove the, the, the heart from you, well, the heart's not gonna do very well. And we would never say, well, the real MVP of me has gotta be my lungs, man. Without oxygen, I, I wouldn't get very far. That's true, but if I remove your lungs from you, it's not gonna go real well. No one would say, the real MVP of me is my legs because you know what, I can't go anywhere without my legs. Yeah, but your brain tells your legs where to go. It's my hands, you know, my, my, my hands get stuff done. You, we, we get it, right? So no one in their right mind would ever say, man, I, I, I wanna pick the real MVP of my physical body. Bound together, bound together, you are you, bound together. Your heart is really important. And, and so are your lungs, and so are your legs, and so are your arms, and so are your eyes, and so is your nose, and so is it. All bound together by God. You're really intricate. You're a bound together child of God. Incredibly intricate and infinitely valuable. And what God has bound together should not be broken. What God has bound together should not be broken. You're a bound together child of God. Incredibly intricate, infinitely valuable. What God has bound together should not be broken. But, but yet physically we look and we know that there's a day coming for all of us when our body's gonna wear out. And physically speaking, in this moment, in this existence, there will be, I hope at least, there'll be a celebration of life for you. A celebration of life for me. And a pastor is gonna stand on a stage maybe much like this and say something like this as pertains to physical you. Listen to this, he or she is gonna say this. Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. But that's not the way it was supposed to be. You understand that, right? What God has bound together was not to be broken. 
And, and, and that's why in, in moments like that, when we hear somebody say ashes to ashes and dust to dust, there's something that feels so incredibly wrong about it. You know why? Because there's something so incredibly wrong with what God has bound together has been broken. And, and, and of course, the good news for you and for me is that we're not just physical. We're bound together children of God. Incredibly intricate, infinitely Valuable. What God has bound together should not be broken, but it's more than physical, right? Like, you are a mind, a will, emotions. You're a sense of humor or a lack thereof. You're, you're, you're a personality. That, that's who you are. You're a bound together child of God. You're physical. You're relational. You're emotional. You're mental, your financial, your sexual, all bound together, a bound together child of God, incredibly intricate and infinitely valuable. What God has bound together should not be broken. We get that. Who are you? You're a son or a daughter. Maybe you're a wife or a husband. Maybe a mother or a father, you're a friend, all bound together, all part of you. You know, we've noticed something here at Southside, the Southside family over the last three weeks, there's been a lot of tragedies, a lot of pain, a lot of loss. And, and, and isn't it interesting when you think about it, that when we think of somebody dying, we'll say things like this, well, you know what, they, 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 it's not a termination, it's a trans transition, they've stepped into eternity. And that's true, right? And we say, well, they're with Jesus now, and, and that's awesome. Or we say, well, you know what, they're alive right now, like, like alive, like beyond our ability to even comprehend, that's how alive they are right now. And you can say all that, and it's totally true, but it still sucks. It really, 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 really hurts. And what I want to suggest to you is the reason why it hurts is, is because they're part of you. You get what I'm saying? You're a bound together child of God. And part of you is to be a mother to that child, a father to that child, to, 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 to be a son or a daughter to that parent. Part of you is that, and then all of a sudden it's not. And what God has bound together should not be broken, except it is. And it's incredibly painful. It's why divorce is so hard. You're going through life and, and, and part of you, part of bound together you is you're a husband, you're a wife, but now all of a sudden you're not anymore and that's hard. What God is bound together should not be broken. It's why sometimes you see a leader, maybe even a spiritual leader, standing on a stage like this, and they're one person when they're in the spotlight, but when they're behind the scenes, they're a completely different person. That's pretty hard to take, don't you think? And the reason why is because that person should be bound together. That person should be the same person on the stage that they are behind the scenes. Wouldn't you think so? What God has bound together shouldn't be broken. You should be who you are. Whether the lights are on or whether the lights are off. Friends, 
Friendship is like that, you know? You have a friend, and, and, and what you hope, what you hope is that that friend is going to be the same person to you when they're face-to-face with you as they are when they're behind your back. But sometimes it's devastating because you're let down. Like a couple weeks ago, one of my best buddies in the world, George Franco, came up here to speak. And I trusted him with his stage, and I, I trusted him with a microphone. And yet... My so-called friend, George Franco, knowing that I'm one of the biggest Oilers fans in the entire world, <laughs> promised that I was gonna be up here today wearing Canucks gear. <laughs> and some people from First Service was like, that's not a jersey. Shut up, man. <laughs> like, shut up. I'll wear a jersey when your team wins the cup, okay? <laughs> as long as... As long as, and I've already had several texts, people agreeing to this, which I was glad to hear, as long as you, you know, just on the off chance, just on the crazy off chance that my team should possibly sneak in and maybe win the cup, then you have to wear an Oilers jersey, okay? So that was the 8 a.m. They were lippy, although one person from the 8 a.m. bought me a jersey today. Yeah, that's all right, right? I don't know if I've heard it. Oh, he's pretty, he's pretty good, right? He's pretty So I've decided I like the ADM more than you guys. So that, you know. <laughs> What's funny though is this. What we innately know physically, we should probably just apply to every area of human existence, right? So you're not gonna go, oh, my heart is my real MVP. You would never do that. And you should never do that about any part of you. There, there's, there's no part of you that should be separate from the rest of you. You're bound together, child of God. You're incredibly intricate. You're infinitely valuable. What God has bound together should not be broken. Does that make sense? If it makes sense physically, it, it makes sense existentially also. And, and it's funny because every once in a while you'll have somebody say, man, the Bible is sure old-fashioned when, when it talks about sex. Now, I should mention to you that's actually incorrect. Because to say something is old-fashioned would assume that it was ever in fashion. The, the Bible has never been in fashion when it comes to discussing sex. So, so a more correct way to describe the Bible and how it talks about sex would be this. The Bible is countercultural. That's true. That's true. But, but it should be noted that the Bible has always been countercultural. You understand, like, 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 I'm stating a revolutionary thing when I say what God has bound together should not be broken. You get that, right? And it's always been revolutionary. Like, we're preaching our way through Proverbs, and, and if you turn to Proverbs chapter 5, you read this little section of scripture written by Solomon. And Solomon says this, rejoice in the wife of your youth. What a nice thing for him to write. But if you know who Solomon is, when he writes, rejoice in the wife of your youth, party wants to ask, which one, bro? No, seriously. Hey, Solomon, which one of your wives are you gonna rejoice in? Because he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. I kind of put a damper on things, didn't it? Oh, I just always liked that verse. And look, I mean, it's, it's true that like scholars will tell you that Solomon wrote Proverbs chapter five near the end of his life, right? And, and, and he gets it and he's just going like, oh, that whole 700 wives thing didn't work real good. You know, you should rejoice in the wife of your youth. Cool, Solomon. Okay, that's great. Except 
What's the tragedy in that little story? 700 wives and 300 concubines. Can I tell you something that it was true about every single one of them? Every single one of them was a bound together child of God. Incredibly intricate, infinitely valuable. And what God has bound together should not be broken. And while I guess I could stand up here and tell you, you know, it's really amazing. With every one of those 700 wives and 300 concubines, Solomon took them out for a picnic and really got to know them. You know, he just wanted to know their personality and their sense of humor and their quirks. No, he used them for their sex. What God had bound together, he broke. Solomon broke. He wasn't looking for a picnic, he was looking for sex. And, and of course, the tragedy of that is throughout history, we see that repeating itself. And every time that happens, when you break apart what God has bound together in, in, in a human being, what you end up is you end up uh, making a person a commodity. And when you make a person a commodity, all throughout history, this is what you'll see, the strong will oppress the weak and the rich will oppress the poor. Thousands of years ago, Solomon proved it. And today, here we are in 2024. And to paraphrase something that my buddies and I said growing up in Red Deer, same snow, different pile. 2024. The money that will be spent on pornography in 2024, a massive majority of that money spent by the affluent Western world, the money spent on pornography in 2024 would be enough to feed 4.8 billion hungry people this year. Sexual abuse is on the rise. Sex trafficking is on the rise. Sex slavery is on the rise. So let's talk about the women and men on the, on the screens of our pornography. Let's talk about the victims of sexual abuse and sexual trafficking and sex slavery. Who are they? They're bound together, children of God. Incredibly intricate, infinitely valuable. And what God has bound together should not be broken. And what happens when you break apart what God has bound together in a human being, what you make is you, you, you try to turn people into commodities. Same snow, different pile. Thousands of years ago with Solomon, what did we see? The strong oppress the weak. The rich exploit the poor. Huh. Same snow, different pile. Why? Because what God has bound together should not be broken. It's never been in fashion, it's just true. The, ch the challenge about pornography in our culture is that the brokenness runs both ways. So, 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 so the victims of pornography, the, the victims of abuse, the, the victims of trafficking, they're broken, but so are the consumers. There's a commodification of people. 
And here's how you see it playing out in our culture. It's, it's just really, really simple. Maybe you, you've never seen the, the same snow, different pile aspect of it. Um, what, you'll, what you'll hear is you'll hear kind of two different, they're, they're kind of the same thing, but they're expressed different ways. One, one thing would be this. Well, sex is just biology, you know? It's just a recreational activity, it's, you know? Like it's play for adults. When, when you were a kid, you played Lego. Now you're an adult, you play sex. So what you're doing is you're saying this, God, God has bound this person together and, and every part intricate, every part infinitely valuable, but, but not this part. It's just play. Or at the same time, you have other people in our culture that would say this, no, 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 sex, sex is the real MVP. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like sex is it. It's your identity. It defines you. It's everything to you. Sex is the real MVP. It's the same snow, different pile, right? Basically what it is, it's taking this bound together child of God and just saying, no, not really. We'll just take this part out. And when that happens throughout history, over and over and over again, what we see is we see strong, oppressed, weak, rich, oppressed, poor. Give you a real simple example in our culture today. Do you know that eating disorders are still on the rise? Thousands of people die every year from eating disorders. And three times as many women as men have eating disorders. Why? What's going on? Let me help you. As a culture, we look at nine, 10, 11 year old girls and we say, Why aren't you hot? Why aren't you sexy? Why aren't you valuable? Why don't you matter? And we say, well, the, the, the Bible turns out it's never really been in fashion because God stands here and he speaks to you and me today and I'm talking about you right now. Listen to me, talk about you. You are a bound together child of God. You're incredibly intricate. You're infinitely valuable. And what God has bound together, it should not be broken. So I've talked to you today, historically, I've talked culturally, I wanna end personally. Because really that's what history comes down to, one life, one story at a time. That's what culture comes down to, one life, one story at a time. Does anything sound weird? Don't, don't you think it's kind of weird that um, we go back thousands of years and there's, you know, there's, there's Solomon, 700 wives and 300 concubines, and the strong oppress the weak, and the rich exploit the poor. And here we are, 2024, and it's the same snow in different pile. The strong exploit the weak, the rich oppress the poor. Isn't that interesting? Why would that be? Because obviously, it's not the same people. <laughs> Here's why, same spirit, same spirits. Have you, have you ever wondered? You study history a little bit and you, and you see these same patterns, why would that be? Different people, same pattern, why? Same spirit. From the very beginning, there's been a spirit of brokenness, a spirit of brokenness. I've referred 
before to him as the devil, your spiritual enemy. He's a, he's a spirit of brokenness. He, he wants to see brokenness. He's the author of brokenness. He, he wants to see what God has bound together to be broken. And, and, and one of the, he doesn't have a very extensive playbook. One of the items on his, in his playbook that he uses over and over and over again is this. He convinces people like you and me to pursue what we already possess. He convinces people like you and like me to pursue what we already possess. I'll give you an example from the beginning. God places Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Naked and unashamed, you know? And, and, and God gives them this incredible gift. And the incredible, one of the incredible gifts that God gave to people like you and me is something called free will. Be, because without free will, there can be no love. Without free will, there can be no relationship. And so God places Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and he gives us this incredible gift called free will. So that we can have a relationship with God and also with each other. We'll talk a lot more about the gift of relationship next week. But the, but the way that God gave Adam and Eve this gift of free will was this. He said, look it, there's all these trees in the garden, right? And you can eat from any one of them, have at her. Okay, but there's one. Free will, right? The gift of free will. There's one don't eat from that tree. Don't do it. It, it. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God said. And, and the second you eat from it, brokenness wins the day and death enters the equation. Make sense? The gift of free will, okay? The spirit of brokenness shows up right in the garden and says to Eve, he says to Eve, listen to this. He says, hey, you know, you know why God doesn't want you to eat of, of, of that tree? You know why? Because uh, he knows that if you do, you'll be like him. And of course, that hits Eve hard, right? Because she really, really wants to be like God. So do I. So do you. I, I want you to just think for a second. The, the enemy, the spirit of brokenness says to Eve, if you eat from that, that tree, you'll be just like God. Can we take a half a step back? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the pinnacle of his creation, he created people. Male and female, he created them in his image and in his likeness. You understand why you wanna be like God? You understand why Eve wanted to so badly be like God? Because we were born to be like God, to create like God creates, to love like God loves, to have ingenuity like God has ingenuity, to be generous like God's generous, to help like God helps. We were created to be like him. We were created in his image. And yet Eve goes over to that tree. She's pursuing what she already possesses. She takes the fruit, she eats it, she gives some to her husband and he eats it too. And now brokenness enters the equation and the author of brokenness wins the day. Let me express same snow, different pile for you and me in 2024. The spirit of brokenness will come to you and he will have you, he will encourage you to pursue what you already possess. He will say this, well, don't you wanna be loved? Don't you wanna be valuable? Don't you wanna be beautiful? And, and, and what's the answer? Yes. I really, really do. I do. I want to be loved. So do you. 
I wanna be valuable, so do you. I, I wanna be beautiful, so do you. See, this is it. We can go on and we can argue about semantics. We can get into legalism and we can be more worried about being right than getting it right. But this is the foundation. Deep down inside of you, you were born to be loved. You were born to be valuable. You were born to be beautiful. And if someone, somehow, something could ever convince you that you're not, there's no limits. There's no limits, the heights you would climb. There's no limits, the depths you would sink. Of course not. You were born to be beautiful. You were born to be loved. You were born to be valuable. But of course, here's what's crazy. You already are. You already are. You already are. See, John 3, 16 says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, so, so what that means is God, God loves the world so much that he sent Jesus. And, and here's what I know, that if you were the only one in human history who needed to be rescued, he would have sent Jesus just for you. You already are loved. And you already are valuable. The, the value of anything is determined by the price that was paid for it. So who are you? You're infinitely valuable. Jesus gave everything for you. He gave his life for you. Your value? Your value is nothing that has to be pursued. It's already been established. You're worth everything. Jesus died on the cross so that your sins could be forgiven, so that you can get past your past. If you were the only one in history who needed forgiveness and salvation, he would have died just for you. Your value is already unequivocal. It's already been established and you're already beautiful. It's amazing when you think about it, you know? As Jesus stepped into history, he could have come as the most dazzling star imaginable, right? And, and yet he didn't. The Bible says he gave up his glory. And in fact, there was nothing innately physically attractive about Jesus during his earthly ministry that would have drawn us to him. He didn't come as a dazzling star. He came as the son of a carpenter with calloused hands and a weathered face. And then he died the ugliest death imaginable. Why, he, he gave up his glory for you. See, and, and when, when, when Jesus rose from death to life, the Bible says he, he rose to present you to God spotless, faultless, completely and totally beautiful. That's who you are. And we can go on and on and we can, we can argue and, 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 and we can look to be right instead of get it right, but I'm telling you, this is it. This is our culture a spirit of brokenness still opening up the same playbook after all these years, tempting you and me to pursue something that we already possess. So I wanna close. Let's just take a moment of reflection. If you don't mind, I'd like you to bow your heads and close your eyes.
So Jesus, I wanna pray for all the people in this room. I wanna pray for all of those watching online. Jesus, I pray for a miracle. That this moment wouldn't just be a Mike Manis moment, but it would be a Jesus Christ, the Son of God moment. That you would speak directly to hearts. That you would speak to souls. And that you would let them know that that deep longing that they have to be loved, to be valuable, to be beautiful is already completely and totally fulfilled in you. In the name of Jesus, I just pray for that truth to become real in every area of our lives. In our sexuality, in our relationships, at work, in every area that we would walk confidently knowing who we are, loved, valuable, beautiful, right now. And Jesus, I wanna pray also for those who are watching online or here in person, and maybe there's this thought inside of them right now that they look back to a time in their lives when they didn't feel beautiful, they didn't feel valuable, they didn't feel loved, and they went, on, they went in pursuit of it. And maybe right now in this moment, they look back and think, man, I'm, I'm broken beyond repair. I got so much guilt and so much regret, regret I, I can never recover. And yet Jesus, just in this moment right now, I'm reminded again that the first sermon that you ever preached, Jesus, you took the scroll that we came to know one day as Isaiah 61, and you said, I have come to bind up, I have come to bind up the brokenhearted. That it's true that what God has bound together should not be broken, but it's also true that what has been broken because of you, Jesus, can be bound up again. I pray for healing. I pray for redemption. I pray for restoration. What has been broken can be bound up again through you. And finally, Jesus, as we continue this time of reflection with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, reminded that we're completely loved, completely beautiful, completely valuable because of you, because of what you did, because you died because you rose again. Every single person here, every single person online is so completely, totally loved, so completely, totally valuable, so completely, totally beautiful. And now the next step is to start living that way. Just start living out what's already true. So with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I just wanna ask you right now, if today is the day Everything that needed to be done has already been done. If today is the day that you need to accept that free gift of salvation, that free gift of forgiveness, that free gift of healing that Jesus already purchased for you with all heads bowed and all eyes closed. You wanna raise your hand right now, nice and high, so I can pray for you, amazing. If you're online and it's safe to do so, I invite you to raise your hand also. Something powerful happens when we have this outward expression of this inward truth. Beautiful, you can put your hands down. For those of you who just raised your hands, I'm gonna pray out loud and just invite you to pray silently along with me. So Jesus, I give you my life. 
I give you my past, I give you my present, I give you my future, I give you my forever. (laughs) Thank you that because of you, I am beautiful. I am loved, I am valuable. And I just ask that you would give me the strength to start living that way. Love you and I thank you in your name. Amen, amen, let's celebrate. Two quick things before you leave. Number one, the reason why we have three services is that, so that we can continue with, the, with, with this culture of invitation. And, and all joking aside, this topic, there's so much pain in our culture over this topic. So much legalism, so much argumentation. So what I'm asking you to consider doing is be praying for who you might bring to church next week. People in our world, they need to know that they're loved, that they're beautiful and that they're valuable. One more thing. Maybe as I've been speaking today, you realize that looking back, you got some healing to do. And, 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 and I hope we provided a moment to begin that, but we also wanna provide some momentum to continue that. Does that make sense? So if there's an area of your life where there's guilt or there's regret or there's brokenness and you want to move towards healing, we wanna help. So just ask you to take a moment sometime today and you can just text the keyword CARE, C-A-R-E, to our number 604-670-3040. We wanna cheer you on, we wanna help you. I love you guys a lot. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.